she'll be the death of me At least we'll both be numb And she'll always get the best of me The worst is yet to come But at least we'll both be beautiful And stay forever young This I know This I know She told me don't worry About it She told me don't worry and welcome to Protect the Shield. This is episode 8. I'm Joe Poverillis with Seth Hellman. And after a bit of a layoff, we're coming back at just the right time because the NFL season has ended and this is an NFL show and we're starting back again. So you just love to see that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it was a interesting end of the season. There were a lot of outcomes that I saw, you know, I could have predicted happening. There were a couple that I didn't see really happening. Um, Though in retrospect, a couple of them were kind of obvious. But I mean, look, we're going to talk Super Bowl, obviously, and we're just going to get right into it. I mean, I didn't think it was nearly as boring as a lot of people found it to be. Like, I mean, I feel like I was watching it, in, you know, in depth. Honestly, I think I found the Patriots Rams Super Bowl to be significantly more boring just oh, because definitely. of the amount of yeah. points scored in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I thought it was entertaining down to the end. I mean, the Chiefs were still in it in the second half. I mean, you only lost the game by twenty-two points, if my math is right. Wait, five, yes. 30, yeah. yeah. So I mean, they very easily could have come back and gotten into that game, been competitive. They just couldn't get anything going offensively, and you know it's a real testament to Todd Bowles and his ability as a defensive coordinator. I'm interested to see if this vaults him into the conversation for a head coaching job somewhere. I mean, could we really just chalk up what happened in New York with the Jets to the Jets just being a god awful franchise? Like that might be it, right? So um, it'll be interesting to see where his career moves on from here. I mean, I look. I mean, the Bucks just outclass them in every way, shape, and form. And anyone who thought that the Bucks weren't going to give them a good game, like, I mean, what what are you doing? It's Tom Brady. He's going to have that team prepared. Like, I don't care what lack of experience there is from the rest of the roster. Brady knows how to win Super Bowls. He's proved that time and time again, and then he proved it again today's Monday, so yesterday. Um, you know, I just anyone who thought that they weren't going to be prepared and were going to get blown out, I just I don't know what you were smoking coming into the weekend. Yeah, and I I agree with pretty much most of what you're saying. I mean, I I was bored by the game mainly by the second half, I think, or when as it was winding down because. Through the first half, you know, they were still scoring. They were still going back and forth. Uh, Mahomes had so many of those, like, close call throws that, uh, you know, the one that stuck to – went through Tyreek Hill's hands and, like, went off his face mask. and then Unbelievable the, throw. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. Go, falling to the ground, managing to get it off. You, we saw, like, insane moments from Mahomes. It just wasn't being delivered, and you can blame that on uh, – I know he was dealing – he had the concussion a couple weeks ago. He had turf toe at some point, I believe. His offensive line was non-existent yesterday. Uh, The guys he threw to couldn't catch the ball. But he himself, he missed a couple throws. So all around – and, of course, I mean, you just mentioned the defense did an outstanding job countering everything that uh, really the Chiefs threw at them. And that was – you know, the thing that I kept on hearing people saying, they were like, you know, oh, the the – Chiefs offensive lines all out of whack because of injuries. Look, two guys switched positions, and Stefan Wisniewski's been a starter in the NFL for years. 
Granted, he's at the tail end of his career and he hadn't started a game all season. But it's not like, you know, we're not talking Denver Broncos taking a wide receiver off of the practice squad and throwing him at quarterback. Steven Wisniewski is still a solid enough lineman that that shouldn't have been an effect. The two tackles being out of whack, that's something that you can discuss as being an issue. But I think it was really more of a, and Sue is still a good defensive tackle. Jason Pierre-Paul has been having a borderline career year. You know, he's been, I mean, I don't know if he's quite up to the level that he was with with the Giants. Um, He was the only pro bowler on that team this season, if you believe that, which is of all like the big names and star power they have. Obviously on offense, they sort of spread the ball around. Mike Evans still got over a thousand yards, but yeah, I mean, all the big names, Vita Vea is like such a terrific uh, defensive tackle. There were a couple of plays in there where Vita Vea just straight up bull rushed whoever was trying to block him. It was unbelievable how well he was doing. And then you have guys like Shaq Barrett, who, I mean, Barrett had a sack and a couple of quarterback pressures. And then you have Winfield back in the, you know, they didn't have Winfield against the Packers. And then all of a sudden he's back. Um, Their corners played outstanding. And honestly, you know, they said it during the game. It, it was like over 80% of the um, plays that the Buccaneers ran had at least two deep safeties. And you watched it throughout the game. They were doubling Tyreek on everything. And, you know, they talked about it a lot in the game against the Browns, not as much in the game against the Bills. But in that game against the Browns, they talked about how Tyreek Hill loves to start on the left side of the offense. And then he runs kind of this... I, the best way to describe it is like an exponential function. You know how it start like the graph of one where it starts at zero and then it kind of like it curves up and then it goes like a flat line almost out. Like yeah. he does something like a bigger version of that out to the right side and they were running a deep safety above him and they would have a corner or someone else, another defensive mm-hmm. back below him. Yeah. That's the perfect way to play that, especially when you're getting good pressure on the quarterback. They did everything they needed to do to win that game. Yeah, and I have not taken a math class in quite some time. I'm pretty sure you're describing a logistical curve. I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. Oh, no, it's a square it's, root. It's a square root. That's what it is. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I haven't, take, I haven't taken a if math class in a very long time. If you take your calculator and you graph a square root function, it, it, just, it starts at zero, and then it goes off to the right like kind of curved and then it goes out. And so it's, I, I, that's the only way to describe, that's the we'll, best way to describe it. And he ends up like 35 yards downfield. Yeah. We'll, we'll pause as you take out your TI 84 graphing calculators to map this out, but no, hey man, uh, I was fancy. I had the TI <laughs> inspire and it was in color. Really? Yeah. It inspire. What like level in that series? Cause I know there's like the 83 and the 84. It, was that like, it, the it, it was like, or? it was no, it was like way up, way up there. there. It was like it was like real fancy, real new. I didn't have like it wasn't the fanciest of it because they had some weird. It was called like the CAS, like it was like computer algebra system or something mm-hmm. like that. That was like it would do like really fancy algebraic functions and stuff. I didn't have that one, um, and I'm pretty sure that one's actually you're not allowed to use that on the SAT. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that I didn't have that one, but it did cause a lot of problems because every school. And every math class that I was in, they were like, this is how you do it on the TI-83. This is how you do it on the TI-84. And I was sitting here with my TI-Inspire, which I had since, like, fifth grade, I think. And I was like, well, I don't know how to use those calculators. So I usually had to Google how mm-hmm. to do stuff by myself. But I, I got it done, and, you know, I'm very proud of my 
grades and scores on the AP exams. So it all worked out in the end. And from two journalism majors, that'll probably be the most math-related. Even If you can even call that math-related, I guess it's calculator-related talk from any journalism major. Well, I mean, look, square root function is still math-related, but don't, like, here's the thing. There's this stigma that journalism students can't, do well in mathematics. Well, I fit that stereotype personally. I I won't speak for you, but I I will volunteer myself into that equation. At BU, we have the saying, and it's not even like people outside of the School of Communication. It's just straight up the people in the School of Communication. We call it the College of Optional Math. And that's because at least, I, I I don't know what it was like for the older people before HUB, but for us, our HUB units, we only have to get two of the, what they call quantitative reasoning things in. So math just isn't something that you're forced to do, which realistically makes sense. But to be honest with you, my best grades in high school were always in math and science. Like that's just what I excelled at. And that, you know, and forget high school. That was honestly just what I excelled at in my entire life. That's just what I was best at in school. Um, which is funny given the fact, you know, I'm, I am a journalism major. I just wasn't as great at the, you know, like I could bang out a good like eight page paper. Like that wasn't something that I would fret about. Like I can, you know, I'm, I can write enough to get up there. It's just, it wasn't always up there at the quality of my work mm-hmm. in math and science. So before we go on and say, you know, <laughs> journalism students can't do math. Some of us can, man. Like, come on. I can't do math, along with most journalism majors, I will say. We throw in the most, we'll generalize it, uh, you know, I guess we'll, I guess that pretty much sums that up right there, but <laughs> going going back to your uh, Todd Bowles point, because uh, I, I do want to touch up on that, obviously, all season long, like, I mean, they've had the personnel, they drafted well getting Winfield, uh, and um you know, you know, Devin that's, White that's and uh, steals of was the draft recent up there too. with yeah. uh, Justin Jefferson, two of them. Yeah. yeah. What pick did he go? Do you remember? I'm not 100% sure. I think he was a – I almost feel like he was a second rounder. Um, it, either that or they traded – yeah, he yeah, was second a second rounder. Round. I was yeah. correct. Um, I don't know where in the second round, but still 45th second round pick. pick. Yeah, 40 – I mean, I, he's – easily top five in that draft class like easily yeah now granted i don't know how many teams in that first round actually needed a safety um but it's definitely turning out to be a real solid pick. yeah i i feel like for that position especially like there's so many defensive backs on a roster that unless there's like some guy you really love like you you sort of just take the best guy available regardless of that position so to have him slip to the bucks like that uh in the second round is such a huge pick for them and uh, Devin White was a couple years ago or a year or two ago as well. So I think wh- – when did Todd Bowles get there? He was about like two-ish, two years ago, I think. I want to say this is only his second season. Yeah. It might be his third. Because Gase, Gase has only been there for two years with the Jets, and I think he followed up yeah. right after yeah. Bowles. Yeah, so this, yeah. Was, this was the end so, of the second season. So, yeah, Bowles, he had a – he had several solid seasons. I believe he was 10-6 and six one year, and they they missed the playoffs just out of bad luck. But he's coached the team to good games. It's just, you know – if you can never really strike gold at some point, you know, your voice starts to get old in the locker room and they, the results started to not come as much as before, which who knows how much you can blame that on bowls, but sometimes you just need to get out of somewhere and reestablish yourself in another place. But, you know, as a guy with head coaching experience who, even though it didn't end well, he did have some good seasons with the Jets and to see what he did this past year, I mean, I think he's definitely going to get some – head coaching buzz. Maybe not necessarily this offseason because it feels like 
the that carousel sort of ran its course before which the which is po- a topic like that we should discuss yeah. at some point because there are a couple of thoughts I have on that. But continue. and I'm sure it also headlines with uh, Eric Bieniemy for the uh, from the Chiefs. That that's that's where right. my thoughts yeah. were going. <laughs> like the fact that both of these guys probably are well Bieniemy especially because he's been you know he's more than proven uh, to at least get a shot as a head coach, but. Uh, Bulls obviously had that chance already, but, you know, the way he's built up this team, he may want to stay in Tampa for another year and just sort of run things out with Brady because... Why wouldn't you? Get yourself a second ring and then go and yeah, and then the he head can, coach again. Yeah, Why then not? he can go anywhere else with the with a good opening. So, I guess no real rush for him in that aspect, but, uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and talk about Biennemi for a bit? And Yeah, I mean, so here's Because I have thoughts right? on that, like, too, but, yeah. We, we've been hearing the name Eric Biennemi pretty much since the playoffs started, right? Like the second the team started actually looking at head coaches, it was Biennemi this, Biennemi that. And, you know, there's the reports that like the Texans never even reached out to him and gave him a call when literally every other team gave him a call. And, you know, we haven't heard anything specific yet. But man, you know, something's off when a guy is in the running and is talked about for nearly every single NFL job and doesn't get one, right? Like it doesn't, like something doesn't add up to me to the point where it's almost just a blatant disregard for the Rooney rule. Like the, the, how, how is it that there were what, like six, seven head coaching openings at the end of this season? And the one guy that everybody's been talking about who happens to be black, but that really shouldn't matter because he's just an unbelievable coach doesn't get a job. And so the only thing I can possibly think of, which again, we haven't heard anything about this, is that he somehow messed up all of the interviews. But it just, it doesn't sound like he would have. I mean, every everybody that I've ever heard talk about, I think Alex Smith said it best, was that, you know, this guy's a good coach. He deserves to get a head coaching job. And I mean, uh, like, I, there's just no, it just doesn't make sense to me. I can't, my brain, like, just can't compute the information of like how did this guy not get a head coaching job? You know, for, for all we know, we'll hear two years down the line that this guy was awful in his interviews. But until that point, everybody's got a question how he never got a job and how the Texans didn't even interview him. Yeah, that's a probably the biggest thing is that um, you know Deshaun Watson obviously isn't happy in Houston right now and. They want to keep him any way they want, and the fact that so, they didn't even bring him in for an interview—did they interview him after the fact? I believe I heard something like they so did bring him in before. As far as I know, I'm a little bit behind on some of my sporting news, but um, as far as I know, they never brought him in. But part of that was because the report came out that even if they signed Bienemy, it wouldn't change Watson's mind. So why would you like? For what reason would you go out and get this coach that you think is going to appeal to your quarterback if he says it's not going to matter? And in that case, if you know, Bienemy obviously had a huge review from Mahomes as well. Mahomes and Watson obviously are very same draft class, incredible amount of respect for each other. Both top five quarterbacks in the league right now. Uh, if even if Bienemy's hiring wasn't. Uh, you know, wasn't going to change the Watson situation, then I guess in that case, if you're enemy, why would you want to get hired by the Texans to begin with? Unless you're super eager to start your head coaching career. But if they're, if they are indeed going to uh, trade Watson, then you're, I mean, no matter what the hall is, Which you're walking into a dumpster that, fire. And that's probably yeah. and, and given the amount of uh, how much 
harder it is for uh, minority coaches to last in the league and really last past their first, second chance and the amount of expectations put on them, probably unfa- definitely unfairly compared to, you know, white counterparts. Do you really want to squander or hypothetically squander that chance on a team that just traded away uh, their the greatest possible asset you could ever hope to get in an NFL, maybe all of sports, just given how important the quarterback position is, and walk into a team like, yeah, you got a ton of first-round picks, but unless you get a quality quarterback that you believe you can shape into somebody decent and build off of, you're walking into a very undesirable situation. And I think uh, you know, ESPN insider, or just football insiders were talking about how, given the Watson situation, the Texans became like a, went from – a not so like a non priority job, like a low priority job, into a completely undesirable one, especially for a first time head coach. I believe they already made their hire though, um, so good luck to that guy in keeping uh, him in. I, I, I'm I'm also yes. a little bit behind. I haven't really been paying too close attention to the hiring cycle, but I know that I know they did hire some. And that's the so, I mean one last point on Bienemy is just maybe people got it right. Like, look, dude only got his team nine points in the Super Bowl. That's inexcusable. Granted, you know, it, obviously we mentioned the offensive line issues and we mentioned how well Todd Bowles called the defensive game. But you have probably a top three quarterback in the NFL. You know, you, if you, I'm not saying that he's three, right? Like, he, he's at least in the top three, I think, by pretty much everybody's count. And then you have probably a top five wide receiver you have the best tight end you have a couple of solid running backs and you can only put up nine points in the Super Bowl I mean this is the same you know I don't know that we'll be hearing as much of the criticism but it's kind of the same criticism that I feel like the Rams got and definitely deserved in that Super Bowl against the Patriots when they only put up three points um but then uh, I'm trying to think of what I was about to say moving forward on that well, just to respond to that briefly, um, obviously it's the biggest stage, and like if you know they definitely laid an egg, and you can credit the defense, the uh, Tampa defense, because they deserve credit for that. But I think when it comes to hiring a coach, like you're not even if it's on the biggest stage in the Super Bowl, you can't you you can't look at one performance in one game and say I'm not going to hire that guy. I'm pretty sure Kyle Shanahan, pretty much whether it was official or not, had the 49ers job all but locked up in the Super Bowl uh, against uh, the Patriots, uh, you know, obviously when they blew that, they blew the 28-3 lead and had basically no offense uh, from the fourth quarter on. But Right, which is he still got, you know, shellacked for what they did in... And rightfully so, rightfully so. Right, yeah, obviously rightfully got shellacked and with the 49ers last year got the same criticism, right? But then the point that I was about to make, actually, that I just remember what I was going to talk about was... Why are we seeing all of these coaches getting signed before playoff games are over? That's what I don't understand. Like, why won't you wait until at, like why aren't all of these teams waiting until after the Super Bowl when they can see what? Like, look, if I'm a, I, I feel like I've said this. I don't know if I've said this before on this podcast, but regarding, um, guys in like the college ranks, how you hear a lot of the time that a guy's gonna leave the team um to go sign you know and be a coach somewhere else I feel like you don't hear that as much in the NFL I feel like a lot of NFL guys are just a lot more focused on 
you know, getting done what the, you know, the task at hand is what's most important. I mean, when Josh McDaniels was in all those conversations, it was, look, talk to me after we're done with our playoff run. You know, that's, that's the way that NFL coaches operate. So when you have a guy like Biennemi who, you know, is in contention now pretty much perennially for a Super Bowl, He's not going to be available for conversation until after the playoff run is done, which is going to be two weeks before the Super Bowl or the week after the Super Bowl, right? So, like, why are we jumping the gun on this? Because, you know, there are, like, Todd Bowles is going to be in that conversation. Uh, Leftwich, the offense coordinator for the Buccaneers, is going to be in that conversation. I'm sure that there are coordinators for um, the Bills. Actually, they're defending defensive coordinator I want to say was some uh, Leslie Frazier right um I don't know if he's their defensive coordinator but I know that he's one of their coaches he's um so like he was in conversations for this like there are guys who are coordinators and coaches on playoff teams that get the consideration for these jobs and we hear about them but none of them are going to go talk to another team while they're focusing on a playoff run like what like what, what why can't it just be you're not allowed to sign any coaches until after the Super Bowl. I mean, is that extra four weeks of scouting time and draft war time really going to save you? The draft isn't until April. Like, you still have, like, even the teams who are in the Super Bowl and are more focused on the Super Bowl than they are draft stuff still get three months to prepare. You know, it's, like, what are we doing? Why is there such a rush to get your coach in? I I think for that, and I guess it, depends on a multitude of levels but not to become like Colin Coward but like the best like uh metaphor I can think for that is like all these guys or all these teams are trying to find like dates to the dance and if like they keep waiting around for like the most popular girl who's got 15 other guys ask or you know boy with 15 other girls asking him not to exclude but (laughs) but um it, like if if you're waiting around for like the most popular candidate and they end up with another team, then soon all the other uh, coaching candidates that you really like are off the board and signed elsewhere. So it's sort of like a race to get the most ideal person for yourself without you know putting all your eggs in one basket and waiting for this guy only for them to turn around and pick another team. I feel like you could make that case for Bienemy in terms of uh, you know him going through the entire playoff run without getting hired, but we're at the other end, and I don't know. I, I can't remember. Has every head coaching position been filled? I think almost every head coaching position has been filled. I don't know of one right now that I can think of. Um, yes. I mean, so like, like, so the, I mean, the Jets got filled with the defensive coordinator from the 49ers, yeah. which – we, we did mention the I you know I mentioned the Rooney Rule earlier. They do deserve credit because he is a minority coach, so that at least is a you know th- technically that does follow the Rooney Rule. So at least there was one minority. Yeah. So like I don't. So yeah, it's it's tricky because like if he were you know the top top candidate, then there would still be two or three teams vying for his services, and then if they knew they had the best chance for him, then they'd be waiting for him. Uh, at the Super Bowl when, or till after the Super Bowl, but when the a team like the Lions who maybe just didn't want to go in that direction for whatever reason, or they liked Dan Campbell more, uh, regardless of the situation, they knew they wanted their guy. They 
hired him and don't have to worry about some other team snatching it up. I don't know if that's the best example. I'm not sure if Dan Campbell was on too many other people's uh, radars for the coaching search, but I think that's just the that's just the easiest explanation. I mean, in terms of why teams don't wait in most cases. Uh, I'm not sure if there was any like crown jewel f- this off season for among like top head coaching candidates that got snatched up. He, he is a uh, yeah, he is one of the top ones for sure. But um, he should have been yeah. I don't have faith in him as a as an NFL head coach. Although him with Lawrence will be interesting in some cases, I do, I, I don't know what to expect about the rest of that though. But but I mean, look. The, so the Jets filled theirs. The Lions filled theirs with a tight end coach, by the way, from the Saints. Which is how a tight end coach gets a head coaching job before coordinators well, do. And not to I not don't to. Know. Well, I guess this is pretty different. But uh, Sean McVay with the uh, Washington football team, was a tight ends coach and then was elevated to the offensive coordinator at like 27, 28 years old. But that's Sean McVay. So I, I guess uh, going from tight ends to head coach is a little bit different. But uh, still, maybe they seem to seem to love every, uh, every young white guy that has shown some good thing of coaching knowledge. Who are the, who are the tight ends in New Orleans now? Uh, Troutman, the that rookie from Dayton, is one of them, I think. But no idea. That's a that's a pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting grab. I didn't realize that's who they, that's who they went with. But I guess we'll see. There's no easy way to find head coaching openings. There might literally be one left, and I don't even know if there is one left, because this article is the 17th, and it says there's two. Um. I mean, it's just such a weird, weird situation. Um, I mean, the Falcons signed someone, right? Or is that the only one left? Because if here's the thing: if the Falcons don't have a head coach right now, and if you can look this up while I'm talking, Eric Bieniemy is the perfect fit there. Because who's the only owner in professional sports that's ever catered to black people in any way? It's Arthur Blank. Like, starting with the Mike Vick era, dude just catered to the— I mean, it made sense, right? Because he's in one of the most black areas in the country. They hired Arthur Smith as the head coach. They hired Arthur Smith? Yes. Okay. The uh, Titans—what was he? Man, I really got to lock down the, the signings. But he was with the Titans—he was the offensive coordinator for the Titans the past two seasons. I just I, oh right I remember this because he he's the son of one of the uh, Washington football team's minority owners and now he's coaching for the Falcons. Oh, that's the FedEx guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, I remember this. Okay, yeah, FedEx guy. That's funny. Yeah, fun fact: that guy has never held a job that wasn't in some way associated with FedEx. Like, think about it: Washington football team, FedEx Field, right? Right, because like, the owner of like yeah, because. Uh, Fred Smith is the owner of, or has some high role with FedEx. But what it, he's like the CEO, right? But, so what about what about Arthur Smith has been involved with FedEx? Like no, Arthur Smith's dad is Fred Smith, right? 
so so every basically there's like this thing where if you actually look at the jobs that he's held every single place that he's been hired whether it's been like an internship or you know coaching job whatever uh, until this falcons job that he just got had some connection to fedex what was the titans are they also like a I I'm, I forget how he got into that job, but it was it was something where it was like everything that he's gotten into somehow. Which like, look, all the power to him, right? Like, look, if if my dad was CEO of FedEx, I'd be doing the same thing, right? Like, it's just crazy that that's like just kind of how it worked out. And look, if he does well, good for him, right? That's just something funny that I found. Um, I think it was Bomani Jones that was saying that that is you know he like listed a bunch of jobs where it was like this dude literally has been hired in a billion places that just have to do with FedEx. Um, let's see, have the Chargers filled their head? Yes, they got uh, the Rams uh, like passing game corn- coordinator Staley, I think. Yep, Brandon Staley. Yeah. Um, so I knew that. I mean, <laughs> I, I literally I think that they've all been filled. Yeah, I'm pretty probably sure at they this all point. have. I, yeah, because some rant. I mean, you know, I I just remember now. Some people have brought up, which I don't know how much sense this makes. Maybe it does. That some people are speculating that Bieniemy is sort of like in a McDaniel situation where he's waiting for Andy Reid to retire, and like he knows that yeah, Reid's going to retire I mean, at some point. Still left. Like, McDaniels left and got a head coaching job and came Yeah, back. and then he came back. But, like, yeah, so I'm just saying that's what, like, the comparison is because I, I think at this point people are thinking McDaniels just waiting until Belichick retires and will take over the Patriots job. I don't know if there's any truth behind that. I don't know if there's any truth behind the thing with Reed and Biennemi, but that's that's one thing, one possible explanation. Otherwise, uh, I don't know. I don't think he'd interview with head coaching jobs just to, like, throw people off like I, I think I, I think he interviewed head coaching jobs for a reason and uh if he got one would have you know taken it but uh I don't know it's interesting uh yeah I guess we sort of bled more into the coaching cycle than uh the Super Bowl any other thoughts on uh on the Super Bowl if we uh cut back to that for a bit no I mean look I mean shout out to AB for doing literally everything he could to get himself thrown out of the league and then somehow winning the Super Bowl. Uh, shout out John Franklin um, the third for being the first uh, alumni of Last Chance University to win the, well, it's Last Chance U technically, but um, uh, to win the Super Bowl. He, he had a torn ACL, so he didn't play. He was out, um, but he's the first guy. Also, probably the last guy, unless that, um, I forget what his name is, but the linebacker that ended up at Texas Tech, I'm pretty sure he got drafted somewhere, or at least got a job somewhere, so like, other than that, but, you know, last chance he's done, they're, they're switching to basketball now, so I don't think anyone else is actually going to touch the Super Bowl, so good for him, he was actually one of the few guys that, like, when you watch it, you're like, oh, this dude's, like, actually disgusting, um, any other storylines I could think of? Um, I mean, I think it's crazy that Mahomes ran 497 yards before his passes and being sacked. That's, like, that's ridiculous. Un- I saw that. That's that's insane. I mean, I was noticing. Obviously, anyone who watched the game knew that he was running around a lot. But like, I know you know he's crafty and nifty, and he was extending plays all night long and deserves as much praise for that. But I feel like there were multiple occasions where he was just spinning unnecessarily, like and it like 
he has the arm. Obviously, we saw the arm strength to, like, overcome the bad angles and the longer, you know, the farther he goes behind the line of scrimmage, he's still able to make those throws. But he's, like, spinning his spinning around, like, putting his back to the defense and his back to where the receivers are running. Obviously, if they know the routes, he knows where they're going to be. But it seemed like there was a lot of, like, extra movement and – when he's spinning around, he's not moving side to side or out of the pocket. He's just trying to, like, evade one guy and just moving further back. And I think that it's it's what he has to do. Otherwise, he's forfeiting the play. But at the same time, it's just allowing more time for any of the defensive linemen to beat the offensive linemen uh, if they haven't already. And are right. I was going to say, at that point, usually they've been beaten anyway. Yeah, so it's, so. You know, it, that's just him salvaging whatever play he can. I mean, look, he played out of his mind, right? Stats don't show it, but... I test tells you that dude played real well. That I mean, I test tells you that he's worth that what five hundred million dollar contract that he signs. So I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes will probably win two more Super Bowls, maybe three. Um, but look, I don't want to hear any goat talk coming near him. Like to be honest with you, I don't care if this dude wins another like seven Super Bowls. Not gonna make a difference to me. He's not well. If if he wins seven, if he wins seven more, then I think if, that will make a difference. Seven, no, I don't think so. Because he, he here's the thing: if no, if you lose in the Super Bowl to the other guy that is labeled as the goat, you cannot surpass the other guy, especially when the other guy is forty three years old. Like, come on, like, come on. And what, like, Mahomes would have gotten blown out by a young Brady. Like, Brady in between, you know, like, around where, like, the Giants Super Bowls. Like, Brady around then, get the Chiefs would get murdered by that Brady. If they couldn't beat 43-year-old Brady, come on. Yeah, and I think that was, I think this one was more, and Brady played well, obviously, he, I, I, what was, he, I mean, he didn't throw for a ton of yards, but he didn't need to. No, he, he did was, everything he to, around to like set the game up. around, like, 70 yards, but he had, like, four passing touchdowns, or no, three, yeah. three passing touchdowns, like four and had the one rush on, they had the, he had a ton of, but, uh, like, but he yeah. wasn't making bad throws. Oh no, and, and he was, he did everything they needed him to do, I, I just think the, it's not like he himself beat, it's not like Brady himself beat Mahomes, obviously the offense right, needs to do it, and I, th- still, I think the Brady defense Still, Brady himself deserves... didn't beat any other team when he won the Super Bowl, like it's always a team effort. Yeah. Yeah. Point of, like that's just what football is. It's a team game. Right. You know, so, the only game in the world where one guy actually makes the difference on the court as to, or on the in the game as to whether or not you win is golf or tennis. Right. Like one person will win in tennis because it's a single person sport. One person will win you golf. You might be able to make the argument about basketball that one player can really make the difference, but that's still a team effort. You have to have depth. Yeah, and I'd argue. Uh, in, I it, I'd argue to an extent, uh, pitchers in a in like a in a World Series game. Obviously, for a full series, you're relying on multiple pitchers and multiple batters and offensive still, players. There's still nine spots in the yeah, lineup they got to uh, produce. Yeah, yeah. There's, I, no, I just, there's no such thing as one person being yeah, the difference. Yeah. Other than you know, Brady from a culture standpoint changes the Buccaneers, right? Like he. He deserves a ton of credit for them winning that Super Bowl because of the experience yeah. and the changing of the culture that he brings to that team. Sure, that's invaluable. But then, it, but then, if it's such a team sport, and I'm not, you know, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just bringing this up. Like, 
because it's a team sport as important as the quarterback is, then why does it matter how many more Super Bowl? Why does it matter if why would Mahomes need to match the number of Super Bowls that Brady has? What if he blows all the records out of the water and like the career numbers out of the water and gets like two or three more or four we count or chips. something like that? Because that's that's what we. But do. then we count it's chips. just bringing back like the conversation that it's you're using a team stat to count against individual players. I'm I'm split on the issue. I feel like you need to inca- like weigh it, look, both. So here's, but here's if my it's thing with if it's dunk. a team thing, then why does it weigh? So, I know it's not like you're deciding that, but like why does it weigh so heavily if it's such a team sport and the and the quarterback isn't from, doing everything? From a pure talent standpoint, the Chiefs haven't one of the greatest offenses we've ever seen. From a talent standpoint. Production, you know, maybe numbers aren't there. From a talent standpoint, they have one of the best offenses we have ever seen, and they put up nine points, not a single touchdown in the Super Bowl. There's no coming back from that in a go. Like, look, Patrick Mahomes could very easily end up as the second best quarterback of all time, but the only way any quarterback could potentially find themselves to surpass Tom Brady, which I personally don't think anybody will, you would have to win... I mean, granted, we don't know how many more Super Bowls Brady's going to get, which is terrifying to think. We don't know how many more he's going to get. But say whatever it is that he has, plus one. Even if someone gets that plus one, even if it's Mahomes, you didn't beat Brady, right? Like, so further down the line, if someone who, after Brady retires, someone ends up getting one more Super Bowl than him and has the, the numbers to match up, and when you watch him play, you're like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. You can have that conversation. But as of right now, no active NFL quarterback can become the GOAT. I don't think it's possible other than Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I agree. It, I agree. It's been, indeni- it's been undeniable since he won five, I think. Even four, you could argue. It's been undeniable that that's where he stood. So he's only adding to his legacy. I, I don't think he's going to win another one. And that's not like an indictment against him. I just think unless he moves teams again and like joins a you know builds a whole new culture i think like something that not enough people talked about and to be fair i didn't talk about that much is that it's so hard to repeat and it's as much as brady was able to get back to the super bowl you know like three times in four years with the uh, patriots and at least you know in the recent periods and obviously he was the last quarterback to repeat uh all the way back in uh oh three oh four whenever that was but uh I don't know. I, I think, like, it's just so hard to get back there. And as great as he looks, as much as he looks like he can keep playing, at some, he's not going to be playing when he's – he's not going to be at a Super Bowl winning level when he's 50 years old. One of these years, it's going to have to – it's going to have to come to an end. I mean, look – And I, can... I don't th- – I think if he stays with the Bucks for the next three years, they can go far. They they could easily make it to the conference championship. They They might even make it to the Super Bowl again. I don't think he's going to win another Super Bowl after this. I think he's done at seven. <laughs> Famous last words, buddy. Famous last okay, words. Okay, fine. I, I'm, I, but at this point, like, come on. They're, as great as Tampa's team is, we, we, were, we were saying this, the same thing we about the Chiefs. This at the beginning, we were saying this at the beginning of the year. Everyone was saying, man, I don't know if he can get another one. Like, come on. Every single time someone says, I don't know if Tom Brady can get another Super I'm Bowl. I'm confident he will not get another Super Bowl. Yeah, well, you're not confident. Confidence ain't enough. 
I'm telling I'm you, certain he will not get another Super one. Bowl. I will. I, he will not get another Super Bowl. He, he gets. If up. he stays in Tampa, he's not getting another Super Bowl. Oh, if he know. does some like last ditch move and goes to like some team that's built and then needs a quarterback, maybe. But staying in with this Tampa team, I don't think he's going to do it again. I don't know. I look last last thing. And third, I'm know. not saying he's going to fall off a cliff. I don't. I'm not like going to say he's you know going to be the worst quarterback in the league. I'm not saying he's going to. He's not going to have a long quarter. He's not going to have a long playoff run. But I don't. I don't see him winning another Super Bowl. It does help that he's in the NFC right now, though. I will say that. Unless I mean, you know some team is able to throw together. Uh, you know, if, if Deshaun Watson goes to the NFC and is right. an actual good team, if one of the quarterbacks that's being drafted uh, in the next couple years is able to develop or, you know, who knows what could happen in the next uh, three years of the quarterback position. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go on the record and perhaps stupidly, but I don't think so stupidly that Brady is not going to win another Super Bowl. He may get close. With Tampa Bay, he's not going to win another Super Bowl. I mean, I'll end us with this. There are three things in life that are certainties. Death, taxes, and Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl. Have a good week, everybody.